Welcome to the Black Tech Fest podcast. This is our roundup of everything that is going on in the black community with regards to technology, innovation, creativity, and culture. So I'd just like to say a massive thank you for listening to me. Um, you're going to hear me anyway, so I'll just say a big thank you to them um, and let you hear about the amazing work that the STEM ambassadors are doing. Welcome everybody to the next session um, and and this is a wonderful panel which I've got here um, joining us um, at Black Tech Fest. Um, one of my favourite organisations actually in a few different interesting ways which will come through on the conversation, um, not because I'm a massive user of it, although my credit card bill might say otherwise, um, <laughs> but, um, but more because I love the people that I've met in my journey trying to set up Black Tech Fest and work on this together. So I want to say um, um, welcome all to this panel. Um, we're going to discuss STEM and a few interesting kind of topics are related to kind of like everybody's careers here um, um, in relation to kind of the work that they all do at Just Eat. Um, but I'm going to try and do less talking than normal and actually do more listening, um, which will probably be to my mum's. Uh, <laughs> my mum my mom will love me saying that because um, anyone who knows me knows I can waffle on for a bit. So without further ado, I'm going to ask all of our fantastic panellists just to go around and give a quick introduction. But I want this to almost feel a little bit like speed dating. I want it to feel very dynamic and punchy, you know, um, almost, you know, you match me on a Tinder or a Hinge and we're like, OK, so who are you? What's your name? What do you do? Um, what do you really do? Um, and how long have you been at Just Deep? So that's kind of what we're going to start with today, and um, then we'll take the conversation from there. So who wants to go first? I'm seeing a massive smile from Samuel. He can't hide it. So Samuel's going to go first. Um, and then Rodney's going to go next, because he's laughing too. <laughs> so let's go. So Samuel, tell us a little bit hey, about yourself. Hey, Ashley. Hey, everyone. Um, my name's Sam, or Samuel. Um, I'm a data scientist at Just Eat. Um, I've been there about two and a half, going on to three years. So uh, you'll meet Natasha later. Um, we started on the same day. Um, and yeah, I guess what I actually do, so um, a data scientist, we build machine learning software. Um, and basically we use data to build algorithms um, and the algorithms then improve themselves over time. Um, so hold on, before I come on to everybody, like what, what does Justy need machine learning for? Like, <laughs> Yeah, um, that's a good question. So it's for things like uh, recommendations, for instance. So when we're sending out recommendations to you, um, we look at the data that from what you've ordered in the past, and then we might tailor the recommendations so you don't have to look too far down right. the list to get. You know, you... like I like pizza, that you'll keep sending me pizza. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it might be like uh, Ashley orders pizza on a Friday, so on a Friday afternoon, let's send him a pizza. Um... Oh well, there we go. That that explains it. That explains... you're the person. You're the person, right? I know. Um... Okay, Rodney, Rodney, tell us then. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm trying to think of a way to top that. I am Rodney. I've been at Just Eat for just over two years, literally like two years and maybe a month or so. Um, and I am a product manager. I completely forgot my role for a minute. Um, so I'm a product manager at Just Eat. And essentially that's kind of like being... I wouldn't even call it being at the center of everything, but we work with a number of different teams. So engineers, um, data scientists, um, marketing teams, user researchers, UI designers, so many different people to be able to provide you with that end product, making sure that we keep the customer at the center of it all. Um, so we kind of help put the whole picture together and then deliver it to that end user. So actually with the team I'm currently working with, we also work with data scientists to improve those machine learning algorithms to further help and provide a better customer experience for our customers. So, and to make my gym struggles even harder too, from the sounds of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Natasha, um, yeah, what? T tell us about yourself. Hi, Ashley. Hi, I'm Natasha. Um, I'm a data engineer at Justy. I've been here for two and a half years. Um, so as a data engineer, it's my role to ensure that all the data is available for our stakeholders, which are analysts and data um, scientists. Um, we also create tools so that they can easily transform their data and load it into a CSV or export it somewhere as well. 
I'm, 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 why, why? <laughs> What's the why? Like, I mean, like, <laughs> why, why, why does that happen? So um, we have reports that need to be made um, for CEOs and um, data that needs to be um, transformed so that our data scientists can use it and create the personalizations and the apps and it's used across the business. Got it, got it. Okay, well, over to you. Who's going to speak next? Pass the, pass the proverbial potato. Um, Evie. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Natasha. Hi, Ashley. Hi, everyone. My name is Ebonolua. Okay. But you can call me Evie. And I am a data um, product owner within the data team. So data uh, ingestion and data core platform. So pretty much my uh, gist, like what, okay, I've been at uh, Justy for about three years-ish. Um, and um, pretty much I'm responsible for like guiding like the success of products slash components uh, within like cross-functional teams. So in other words, uh, apart from sitting in meetings, um, I work with my team to figure out what problems to work on, figure out how to solve it and building the solution. So, and uh, sending it over to our stakeholders and later on see if they like it and how we can improve it. So give, give I, us an example of a problem. Okay, so for instance, <laughs> I'll use Samuel. So if Samuel wants to uh, implement um, a recommender, he needs data, right? My team is in charge of bringing in the data from like a transactional database or like an external data source and for Samuel to use the data. And I would say another example is weather. So for instance, you we need to be able to know if um, if it's snowing today, would it in, um, change the way um, like people order? So my team were also in charge of actually bringing the data. We'll need to figure that out. So yeah. like, if it's hot, you'll recommend like ice cream. That that's possible. But if it's hot, we'll see a trend that most people are ordering ice cream because it's right. hot. So we'll know what to do got with it. that. Got it. Got it. So there's actually quite a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Tio, um, <laughs> um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Senior delivery manager, and I've been at Just Eat for two years and three months now. So <laughs> I think Sam and Natasha beat me to it, and Ibi actually. Um, so what do delivery managers do? We don't uh, deliver your your meals. We we work in tech, and we work with a lot of the guys on the call. Actually, uh, we work with the engineers. We work with the product product managers. And it's a mix of project management. So ensuring that the products, the software products that are being developed are delivered in a timely manner, that we actually deliver what's required. So it's a lot of communication. It's a lot of liaising with stakeholders, with the team members, with the product managers, uh, the tech managers, just to make sure that actually we're on schedule. It's coaching the teams on their performance helping them identify the best ways of working for them. Um, so a lot of it centers around just a lot of communication and just making sure that everyone knows what they're meant to be doing um, and when they're gonna do it as well. So sometimes it, it does mean that we have to crack the whip sometimes, <laughs> but yeah. So, so let, me, let me roll back. How do, how, do, how do you get into that? Because like, I know people who are like organized and like, not <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and from the sounds of it it sounds like you need to be on top of a lot of different things so like what what's your journey like tell us like how how did you get to being a delivery manager yeah so it definitely wasn't my intended career path but I love it I actually I, I kind of fell into it I was in um I was quite young then and I was doing a claims handler role in a previous company. And I was like, I'm so fed up with being on the phones and having customers calling and complaining about when they're gonna get their money <laughs> or their car fixed. Um, so I started looking around, apologies, uh, looking around internally and a role came up, which was actually testing. And it was doing some business testing in the tech department. So it was a nice introduction. I didn't have to be technical because I was testing products that developers actually built um, from a user perspective so from a business perspective and that was my first introduction into okay actually technology it's a thing it's something I can actually work within 
And then once I got into that, I then moved to a different company and I became a software tester, which required a bit more of a technical um, aptitude and technical skills. And yeah, I just enjoyed like some of the scrum master role i don't know if you guys have heard of what a scrum master is last time i heard about scrum it was in rugby i mean (laughs) yeah (laughs) i see that's not what you're doing in the office no 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 no. although it it, the scrum bit similar so that actually is um, a methodology that we use um in software development it's quite common and it just means when people come together and collaborate every morning they they get together for like team updates and I found that I just naturally gravitated towards more of that role and then I had opportunities internally to move into delivery management um, and that's yeah that was my journey so it definitely wasn't something I uh, intended to do but I just it's something I enjoyed and I ended up pursuing it. So I'm going to do a quick straw poll did anyone on the panel intend to do what they do now? <laughs> oh, Rodney put his hand up. T- tell us about your journey, just so because like, I've seen a lot of no's, and it's like, okay, I'm kind of getting that impression. I was just like, does anyone like? So, Rodney, like, t- tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure. Um, so, I guess that was kind of like a half yes and no, actually. Um, so, I've had quite an interesting... yeah, <laughs> I've had quite an interesting journey into tech because while at university, I think the typical thing is oh, go for like the banking internships or consulting or law or kind of more so that corporate face side of things. Um, actually, let me take a step back before that. Before that, I actually wanted to get into politics. Um, then I got to university and I got pushed towards the banking route. Um, and then while I was at university, I realized that I actually didn't enjoy the long hours in banking. Um, a lot of it just didn't make sense to me. Like the maths just wasn't adding up so um I looked a little more into tech and I realized that I'm I just love tech anyway I spend a lot of my time whether it's on Twitter or Facebook um or just playing around with different tech tools um and eventually I sort of started thinking more about where do my skills lie so what am I good at what can I do essentially like yeah what am I skilled at um and I came to a conclusion that I've got a lot of creative but also analytical type skills. Um, and it meant that product management just seemed to be the best role that encompassed all of that. Um, so I started looking for product management roles. And in the UK, actually, it's quite unfortunate because there aren't that many entry product management roles. Um, most of them tend to be in the US, but I was fortunate enough to see a role at Justeet, which I applied for, went through the whole application form, was successful to get on. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what led me to where I am now. So I kind of always knew that I didn't want to get into product management towards the end of university. That's super cool. And actually, yeah, like it's it's a question we often get a lot of the time. People who want to start into, you know, product management roles and actually like, oh my gosh, how do I start? Everybody wants experience and nobody seems to want to take someone who doesn't have experience to get the exactly. experience. So so how have you how have you found, I suppose, you know, I suppose almost learning on the job, as you said, I suppose starting starting your career in product. How how have you found that? Yeah, so a lot of it has been learning on the job. I think I was quite fortunate because, so the scheme is a sort of graduate scheme that just they offered. Um, and one of the few companies that actually does that in the UK. And um, it allowed me to rotate across different teams, get to know different people, um, really just expand my network within the organization. Um, but also you get a lot of exposure to different projects that you can be involved in, which just meant that I got to truly understand how engineers work um, but also understand how designers work how user research works um, and you just have to really just get out there and look for these projects but also just try and be involved as much as you can Um, it's not I think just the allows you and and tries to encourage you to um, do all these things um, as well as providing you with these opportunities but a lot of that also comes from you having to take take it by both hands and also just looking for it yourself Um, so yeah pretty much just everything I've learned on the job apart from one or two things that I learned prior to joining just the when I tried to double in startups and my own projects got it got it and um I've got to contrast that I'm gonna maybe ask Natasha so so you were one of the people who were like no I didn't I didn't I didn't want to do what I do now when I was doing it so here's two questions one's on the spot what did you want to do when you were like young um, <laughs> like when you wanted to grow up like what was that and then I suppose how was how has that changed to what you do now and tell us a little bit about that journey 
Yeah, so when I was younger, I wanted to be an athlete. Well, I was an athlete. I wanted to be a sprinter um, in the Olympics. And um, things just didn't work out. Uh, but my dad, regardless of if I was going to go to the Olympics or not, he made sure that I was going to go to university. Um, he put in a lot of work with me when I was younger and my sister into particularly maths. And it was something that I enjoyed, um, probably because of him. And I didn't know what I wanted to be if I wasn't going to be a sprinter, but um, I knew how to go to university, so I picked maths. And um, at this point in time, when I did go to university, I decided to stop athletics um, just so that I could focus and get my grades because athletics wasn't working out. Um, after my degree, I was lost. I didn't know um, what jobs to apply for, but it was quite typical, I guess, to apply for analytic roles after doing a maths degree or, or go into banking or finance. Um, so a job came up as data engineer analyst, um, and it's just a data engineer. Uh, I applied for it, even though I didn't have any of the criteria. I've never done any coding before, didn't know what Python was, SQL. Um, and I actually just treated it as interview experience. I didn't think I was going to get the job. I just thought, let me go along. And I got the job uh, and they trained me up. And yeah, from there, I stayed at that company for about three years. When I got the position, I thought, again, this is just work experience. Let me stay here for a year. Um, but I actually really enjoyed it. Um, the problem side of things I really enjoy. Um, the constant learning is quite difficult, but it's, it's really um, interesting and I've met great people along the way. So yeah, then I, I, I moved and went to Just Eat after staying three years at my previous company. Got it. Now I'm here. So, and I, I want to like, as they say, like Techland, double click on that. Because I feel like a, I, I've got like a sense of intrigue and a question on that. So I studied geography and like, I was the only... The only black person in my year sat in a sat, sat in my lecture theatre. I almost felt like a celebrity, and not before a good reason. <laughs> People knew me when I walked in, in it, and I was like, "Well, why is that?" And it's like, "Well, I'm the only one of me." So it was, it was so like I imagine that experience is similar to being like maths as a girl at university. Like, how did you feel during that time? Like, share with us. Like, did were you ever put off by it? Were you glad that you did it? Would you do something differently if you had the chance again? Like, what was your experience? Did you feel like a celebrity? I mean, I wish I, I wish, I wish like TikTok and Instagram were around back then in the same way. Not that I'm that old, but I could have really done my whole like influencer marketing thing in a totally different way. Like, I was just a kid. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, um, at university, there was, it was obviously a lot more guys on the course, but I think through athletics, I I get along quite easily with guys. I'm always around the guys from my athlete, my athletic guys, and the girls there are quite tomboyish. So I didn't actually feel like I was out of my, you know, it felt, it felt quite normal. Um, I think it's more when you go into the workplace, um, that you really feel. I mean, when I started Just Eat, I was the only girl on the team as a literature engineer. Um, and again, it didn't phase me because I'm used to being around guys and used to the banter and um, being any black person. It's something that I guess you're just used to. I didn't really feel out of place though. Yeah, yeah. Are, are you still the only girl? Like what's, what, what's your no. opinion now? No, no, no. There's, there's more girls on the team now. It was a smaller team before and we're a global with our team is now global so yeah there's, there's girls on the teams now right you know there we go diversity inclusion from the from 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 getting in there um okay well thanks for sharing on that i like kind of like left to feel but you know it just made sense to me um <laughs> so let me come to samuel because it's been a it's, it's been a little minute now um tell us about your, your your story into into data and um i suppose data science what what uh, i mean i've asked what do you do but like what is the background to how you how that happens i suppose sure um so i guess i definitely didn't have like a conventional route into data science um so 
if I like when I was younger, I didn't actually know that I was going to work in like uh, in tech or code. I really liked graphic design. I used to stay. I used to play lots of computer games, stay up and just design graphics. And I guess just like loved staying on the computer. So like my mom would come in my room and I'd pretend the computer was off and I'd sleep. And as soon as she leaves, I'd get back on the computer and start playing games again. Um, so yeah, I guess I've always loved like computers, um, but I, so I went to university and I studied economics. Um, and when I came out, like the most uh, people who study economics, they either go into banking or they go into analytics. And so I actually went into analytics, uh, which is where you're analyzing data um, and preparing reports and doing things like that. Um, now, the thing about data science and the thing that, um, like is like in our team now a lot of the people pretty much everyone has a phd um so everyone has a phd in uh, either like statistics physics maths or something like that um i don't <laughs> so um i i i don't have like a sort of an advanced degree um and it was a case of i guess when i got into analytics i saw um what the data scientists were doing and I was like wow that's cool I really want to do that and so I just really like worked at it in my own time um, and that meant a lot of like doing courses doing stuff online teaching myself to code teaching myself statistics um, and like watching videos on YouTube um, and just essentially pushing for it just it was like really helpful um, as well because um, once I'd shown that I could do some of the stuff, they gave me like six months where I was actually working with the data science team, essentially. Um, so I got to see what it was like to actually work on projects um, and do a few different things before I then interviewed, a role came up, I interviewed and went through the process, applied and then started working on the team. Um, and so I guess the, the thing there is that even if everyone else does have like advanced degrees or everyone else seems like they're super smart or everyone else seems like they've they've got everything together like I think there's there's nothing stopping anyone from doing it um like you can do it and and it's a case of working like I worked for years I think like four or five years well for like four years before I got there but I think like you can get there you can do it is kind of what I'd want to say Got it. And Evie, how much of that translates to your world? Because obviously you kind of, the way I see it is like, you kind of plug the plug the pipes, if that makes sense. Like there's data, there's everything going in different places. You're like making sure that ultimately when, when there's a solution, when there's an answer to all those problems, you make it happen, I suppose, if that makes sense. Or am I just wrong? Like, tell me. <laughs> You're correct. Well, uh, we ensure that we have what we need to find a solution to the problem. So yeah, you're, you're correct. If you've got the ideal problem-solving job, like, how does one do it? Like, what's your story? How did you get there? Oh, shoot. Uh, okay, so originally I wanted to be an electrical engineer because my dad was an engineer and I was like, yeah, I'm going to follow in his footsteps. Might as well. And uh, so I got into uni and I found out that that wasn't for me. And I took uh, I, I took an intro into... Um, ComSci course, and then I got introduced to Python, and I just loved coding. Um, and then I switched down to computer science. And uh, I thought I was going to be a researcher, actually, because uh, I started working with some of my professors on city on some projects. And uh, then I needed to get money, like just money. So I, I started working at uh, Skip the Dishes, so a subsidiary of uh, Just Eat in Canada. And then I started as a courier recruiter. And I realized that there was like an um, opening for a software analyst. And I was like, I can do that. So yeah, I'm going to go for it. I went for the interview. I actually had, uh, I had no clue what uh, they needed, but they gave, uh, they gave me a chance and I went for it. Um, and uh, I spent like a year there and I was working a lot with the product managers. And then I was like, I can do that too. So yeah, I applied for it and then I jumped into data and it was just like someone pushed me out, out of a plane because I was like, data, this is pretty, this is interesting. Um, I've not really done it before. So I had to learn a lot. Um, and thanks to people like Natasha for helping out a lot. Cause I think when I started my ramp up period, I 
used to bug Natasha a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, it was just like a ton of figuring things out um, and having uh, really, really amazing mentors that are already in the product world, uh, like to guide me and uh, they were like my sensei's pretty much. But yeah. So, so, so to me, it seems like there's a theme and I like I thought about it and I was like, okay, well the theme maybe is like risk taking. I like a lot of people have kind of just gone for stuff and it's not because they necessarily thought that they would want to do it or be the best at it or could do it, but it's just because people have like gone and done it. And in a way, I don't like calling it risk-taking because that makes it seem like there's like a lot of downside. When actually, like, to be honest, from my perspective, there's a lot of like learning. There's a lot of like upside. Um, you know, even from my own experience, when I started my career, I um I, I had an offer to go to to a very famous big tech company, shall we say? Um, and um I actually ended up starting to work for a startup. And people be like, Oh my gosh, that's a risk. Why did you do that? And it's like, well, to be honest, like the reward was that I learned more there than I would have learned in God knows how long. And actually, yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't really see it a risk turned up to meeting and not know what I was on about because you just got to back yourself to learn it, don't you? Um, and that's like one of the things that I'm like super like, I want people to like take away from this and learn. But I'm very conscious, I'm doing a lot of talking again and I'm looking in the chat and there's lots of good questions. So this kind of brings me on to a few of them. So I'm going to run through. There's a couple that relate specifically to like a few of the panelists and some that are more broader. So maybe I'll ask for some that relate specifically to, to product management just because there are a couple in there and there's got a few upvotes. Um, so maybe for Rodney to start, like what are some of the soft or transferable skills needed for like a product management role? And, and maybe to Tia as well, because people are asking about like delivery and service management too. So what are some of the skills that, that you'd say that you actually you need or you don't need? And people kind of just say that you would really like this, but in reality, they never really check. <laughs> um, I'll kick it off. But I think Tia would actually have so many more valuable insights into this as well. But um, I think, yeah, just communication, communication communication is a big skill you need to have um just being able to communicate effectively um efficiently knowing how to communicate to different stakeholders so by stakeholders i mean the different people who have it's essentially like a stake in the work you're involved in so are you speaking to the ceo and what does the ceo want to see um how can you communicate to the ceo or if you're speaking to someone else even just directly in your team how would they want to send that information um just communication is probably like the top thing i would say the other thing is organization skills, organizational skills, but that varies in so many different ways. So by that, I mean, even if it's just meetings, um, making sure you can set up meetings correctly, but whether it's being on time to meetings or having an agenda for the meeting um, and also just having documentations of all the different things that you're working on so that it's clear to other people who may need to have an overview of the project you've been involved in. Um, so I definitely say for me, the top two things are definitely communication and organizational skills. Um, they'll, they'll probably like a lot more, but yeah, just communication. <laughs> um, anything over to you and Evie, actually. Uh, just chiming in, uh, Ronnie, I'll say uh, communication, definitely, that's you need to be able to talk to your stakeholders. Uh, but the other thing I found is empathy. You need to also be, you need to be able to empathize with your stakeholders and also with your engineers. You do not want to overwork them. And you, <laughs> you need to like let everybody know that and um, like and uh, manage expectations. And uh, yeah, as Rodney said, time management skills. Uh, and you can download an app called Clockwise. And that's like a, a shameful plug. But yeah, Clockwise uh, like really helps you manage your time properly. But yeah, just wanna, that's like my contribution to this. Tia? already by Ibi and Rodney but I guess more around communication would be just being able to have open and honest conversations with people and um, sometimes you think that actually you have to put on this work face or this facade or you have to come in with your a-game but actually you're dealing with people so having that empathy having that compassion building relationships actually gets the best out of everyone who's working in things, being able to allow people to be themselves as well in conversation with their ideas, when you're in that creative space and you're problem solving. Actually, the most important thing is just to throw, throw stuff out there. And another thing I think is really important is just curiosity, be inquisitive, be curious, ask questions, get to know about the products, the people, 
the timing, the blockers, you know, whatever it is, whether it's project product management, whether it's delivery management, you need to get, get information and share information. So it's about asking the right questions, having the right information to relay that. So in that communication, just be curious and be inquisitive as well. And I suppose on that, how do people demonstrate? So there's two there's two ways that I'll think about this. If you've got it, how do you tell people you've got it? Apart from I like to talk. Um, and the second thing is, if you want to improve it, like and and how do you demonstrate it? How do you improve it? So so are you, were you referring to the skills that we mentioned or yeah? To... So communication is probably the big one. So that's what I'd say. So on communication mm-hmm. particularly, like. How do you, yeah, how do you demonstrate it? How do you improve it? How do you get it? Um, so actually, so there's one other skill I wanted to add, which is being persistent, but also linked to what you was saying, being inquisitive as well, but definitely being persistent, but in a nice way. Um, and yeah, so I think in terms of improving communication skills, so this is actually something that I got support on from a mentor of mine at Just Eat. Um, so one thing that I felt, that I need to improve on was more so communicating effectively via emails. Um, so typically in my emails would sometimes either be extremely long or extremely short, but there wasn't really like a format to it also. Um, so it kind of just felt like, what are you trying to get from this email? Like what's the message of this email? What's the purpose of the email? So I sat down with my mentor, um, Justin, and he's actually was he didn't really teach me how to like write an email, but what I kind of did was based on the emails that he would see, see me in, um, or I'd ask him to be involved in a few other projects. I would then observe how he's written his emails or how he's formatted it and based on the audience as well. So let's say for example, he's writing to a very, very senior stakeholder and he would have very clear bullet points of here's a summary of what we, what this email is about. Here are the different points that I want to cover. Here are the actions. Do you agree or something like that? Um, and like just having that kind of information. Whereas if it was refer, if it was speaking to another person, it may just be like a one liner, um, or if it was someone else, it may like have a long paragraph. So I think just observing that and kind of really taking that in really helped me improve just simple things as emails. Um, I think from a, another perspective, actually speaking in person, I don't know how I improved that. I'll pass that on to someone else. <laughs> I'll say the major thing is know your stakeholders and know the information they need. Um, so that would like lead to how you're going to communicate to them. So even if like, know if they're comfortable via email, um, sending in an, um, yeah, with an email or if they just want to message you to Slack, anyone that works for them, but and just know what they need to know. Yeah. Got it. Do you have anything to add? understanding your audience so who you're speaking to and understanding the information that they want to know and being able to tailor it is really important I think in terms of demonstrating it actually with communication it's something that you can you do on a day-to-day basis like even in your interview when you interact with people that's something you do on a daily basis I think just being a bit more cognizant and aware of okay who am I talking to and what is the information that they would probably, you know, like to know. Another thing that I'd probably say is it's really good to do some research around just body language, personality types, because a lot of that, I, at the, one of the first companies I worked for, actually, we did, um, we did this team task. And it was really interesting to understand the strengths and weaknesses of um, ourselves, each other and the team members. And actually in one of the teams, it was really interesting because a lot of the team were something called blue. And blue means that they're people that need time to digest information. They're very organized and they really like detail. So once you start to understand that you know how to communicate with those people, you don't go up to them, doorstop them and say, oh, by the way, just quickly, I just quickly need to have an answer because I need to know this now, A, B, C, D. (laughs) You know that, okay, I've just dropped you an email. If you don't mind having a read, then get back to me, you know, when you've had a chance to think about it. So it's little things like that, just understanding who you're speaking to and how to pitch it, understanding if they if they want to have the hi, how are you? How's it going? You know, and you can mirror that if somebody starts a conversation with you saying, so hey, how was your day? You know, you know that, okay, we can have that conversation. If someone says, right, so I just have a couple of questions. So sometimes you just you mirror that and you just adapt your style, but it's just about being aware. 
I think that's a large part of it. Yeah. yeah. And if someone says, as per my previous email, then you know what they're coming with as well. Um, <laughs> we've all seen that one. Um, a couple of questions just for Natasha and Samuel, because um, um, there, there are a few data-related questions in there, in, in, in the chat. And um, I suppose, yeah, the question was kind of like, what advice would you give to someone who wanted to get into a data science role? What would, what would you say? What would, you know, the related fields that you do? Yeah. Um, I, so I think like in terms of skills, like uh, big everyday, um, like statistics um, and then some software engineering as well. So like uh, we do a lot of programming, building pipelines, things like that. I would say just as much as you can, there's loads of resources online, um, lots of stuff that's free. Um, if you ever wanted some, I've got a whole load, so I can send I can send over um, like lots of different things. Um, but yeah, just try and upskill on like statistics, try and upskill on software engineering. Those are like the two main things. Um, and then you learn a lot as you go along. Like once you're actually in the roles, um, you start to learn a lot. You speak to lots of different people. Um, and yeah, just don't, don't be scared by any big words or don't be scared by anything that seems super complex um, because actually we're all here and we're all learning as we're going along. But um, yeah, the two main things I'd say are statistics and software engineering or programming. Um, and yeah, if you need resources, I'll send them maybe to Ashley and he can send them out to everyone. Yeah. Um, um, Natasha, would you add anything on that? Um, sort of echoing what Sam said, really, I mean, there is a lot of information online and courses online that you can do for free as well. Um, but I think it's more just don't be afraid to take chances, add people on LinkedIn. This is if you haven't touched this industry before and you haven't got that network. Don't be scared to go on LinkedIn and add people and talk to people that are in um, that industry already. Um, apply for jobs. Um, that you might not be have the criteria for because even the job I have at Just Eat right now, I applied for a senior position and I was not senior and I'm still not senior. That, and I've been here for two and a half years, so just take that in. <laughs> um, and I got the job still, you know, and it's, you, you honestly don't know who you're gonna meet on the other side of that table, um, what they'll see in you that you might not see in yourself. Um, so yeah, for me, it's um, 100% what Sam said. There's all the information online. Python is really hot in data right now. Um, and SQL, which is quite, it's um, easier, I think, to learn than Python. Um, Even I've learned that one. Yeah, uh, I didn't. <laughs> if I could do it, believe me, I have faith in everybody watching this today. <laughs> all starts with select. Um, so there you are. Um, that's a SQL nerdy joke, there we go. Um, so I'll, I'll come on to this. And actually, uh, you know, this is something that's super passionate to my heart. And one of the reasons I started Colour in Tech um, about four years ago now is because, um, as I kind of said earlier in the chat, I, I studied geography degree. And the first question people have for me is like, okay, well, how on earth did I get into tech? And like, what does that mean? And um, my typical answer is now two words. And I say, Google Maps. Um, <laughs> and then people are like, oh, yeah that thing I forgot about that and it's like yeah like you know I love geographical information and you know if you think about it it's probably the world's biggest data set for the data nerds out there the world is constantly churning out new things um and connecting that information is super valuable obviously for a company like Just Deep depends on it ultimately um because you know we've got to connect people to where they are and ultimately to what's near them um and I think if you are able to convey the links you're able to talk to people about them enthusiastically like people give you opportunities and chances there's a there's a whole world out of out there and people people generally do that so so my, my tip is you know when people are like you know non-techy and they're trying to enter the background it's like find the find the hook find the connection which like resonates for you and the good thing about the tech industry is that there is a lot of opportunity out there that i think caroline um um, uh, Dynage um, did our opening opening um, address and she's an MP and she looks after digital skills and the DCMS and she was saying I think in August like 90,000 jobs were created in the tech sector 
And this is in a global pandemic. I mean, like, there's stuff keep going and you can find something unpositive if, 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 if people are looking out there. But I did want to ask everybody on the panel, like, what were their thoughts from people who don't necessarily have what we'd say is a traditional tech background? I know, um, you know, many, many of the panellists didn't necessarily start by saying I wanted to be a software engineer and look at me, 10 years later, I am. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, what would people say for, for people from a non-tech background to, who are considering doing that? And also, what is tech? Because, you know, is Just Eat a tech company? I would say yes. But lots of people wouldn't necessarily think of it like that because they think about it from the user perspective. So also, I'd say, let's broaden out the conception of what people think about tech because often when people talk about tech, they have this kind of idea that it's people who look like Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates all the time. <laughs> and it's really not. Um, there's nothing wrong with them. They're great people, successful people. But, um, um, you know, there's a bit border. So, yeah, what would people on the panel say in terms of your vice tips, thoughts or for people who don't necessarily have technical backgrounds who wanted to get into tech? Open floor, whoever wants to go first. Uh, sure. Oh, sorry, Grant. Okay, cool. Um, so I'll just kick it off quickly in terms of, so yeah, I'd probably say I'll, I don't have much of a technical background at all. Um, most of, if not all my previous roles were like very creative. And that's not to say having a technical background doesn't mean you're creative, but it was just very much so like arts um, and sales roles. Um, like I didn't really know an ounce of code before and I kind of still don't know, but um, yeah, I think getting into product management though allowed me to learn a bit more about different aspects. Um, I did also try and dabble a bit more in terms of learning HTML, CSS, etc., to build websites. Um, so it kind of just put myself out there, but it didn't hold me back. And I think in terms of getting into tech, there are so many other tech roles that aren't software engineer related. Um, you can you can still work for a tech company in a different role. I, you can be in sales in a tech company. So I spent a, some time at a big tech firm in their sales role, um, and that's gave me exposure to tech. Um, you can also be in customer service or customer support type roles. Um, there are so many different roles that you can be in that are still worthy and still amazing roles as well that play an important function, hence why they exist in these tech companies. Um, it doesn't have to be what is most publicized or what the media sees as like the most fancy thing. Um, so I'll definitely advocate just going for any of those roles that you're interested in. Got it. Does anyone want to add anything to that? Um, and maybe just to, just to pick on that, because we had a question from um, Kaisha in the chat who was like, what, what would people say are good entry jobs for people to get in, like to get into, um, in the sense of you know non-technical roles, but in tech. So, for from her background, she's coming from a, a media communications degree, um, but you know she doesn't necessarily want to want to branch. Well, she wants to branch off from kind of film and photography and stuff like that. Um, if I jump in, so like coming, I I come, I have like I'm in a technical role, but just adding to what Rodney said, there are so many jobs um, all across the board because at the end of the day we're working as part of a big company and there's things like marketing so media and communications that was the first thing that came to my head there is a huge marketing team at Just Eat Snoop Dogg and like the advert and everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, um, there's a huge, we have huge budgets, huge marketing campaigns, um, and lots of creative jobs as well. Like, so I don't know, we, I create algorithms, but I could never design the website, you know, <laughs> like I could never, and that's what people see. That's what people actually interact with. That's why people might think, oh, there isn't any technology behind Just Eat. People are interacting with these things, and these things are super important. Um, I don't think that just the, if you had a company of just engineers, um, you wouldn't have anything to output. If you had a company of just marketers, you wouldn't have any software. Um, and I think there's just so much. So yeah, from media and communications background, I'd say marketing, something in the creative team. Um, and they, and like all of these jobs have huge impact on what we do every single day. Um, so that's just my two points um, on that. I just add something on top of that um, and I'd say if obviously marketing would be um, a more direct route for you um, but 
if you did want to become, say, a data engineer, software engineer, what have you, then if you get your foot in and you talk to people around the business and find out there's job openings, um, there's nothing stopping you from switching. Um, I think the most important thing is to get your foot in and just do it any way you can. That's, that's my advice. That's how I've got my jobs. <laughs> And yeah, no, I think that's a super thing. Evie, were you going to say something as well? Oh, yeah, I just wanted to echo what Natasha said because I remembered my my interview um, joining our skip as a courier recruiter. And I was talking to the recruiter and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a software engineer. Like, that's my plan to be a software engineer with y'all. And she was like, yeah, okay, we'll see about that. But yeah, look at us now. Like, so <laughs> product. So yeah, just um, get your, um, your feet in and uh, or your food in and hope for the best and just keep going for it. Got it. So we've got about five minutes to go. And one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to take a second just to ask everybody, what was the like the one, the one kind of preconception that you either had about your role or just eat or, or the tech industry before you went into it that you don't have now? What was the thing that you thought that was, oh my gosh, and then actually, it's not thing. And I'd love everyone to just share to share that. and like you'd be working with people that don't really talk they just keep their heads down in a computer and you know I like I'm quite sociable I like to have a conversation I like problem solving and actually that's why I thrived so much when I came into that environment which I never expected was it's actually such a dynamic fast-paced environment everyone's voice counts literally like you can have an idea and you could be the most junior person. And that idea is still considered. And that's generally part of the, the fabric of the tech culture is that actually people are valued, people's opinions are valued, the problem solving, there's always something new coming out. There's always, you know, there's always something to do. So it's, it's actually a really, really fun dynamic environment. And you don't have to be super technical either. I'm not. Um, and it's just having an understanding, being curious, asking questions, you do learn a lot more. But actually, there's so many things that you can contribute without being super, super technical if that's not what you want to do. But there's also opportunities for you to be as well. So it's just, it's super dynamic. Yeah. Brilliant. Who wants to go next? Um. Like, I guess a, a misconception, a preconception that I had was that everyone's going to know everything. Like, um, I remember, like, leaving university and going for my first job and thinking, I don't know why they hired me. I'm going to get to work. Everyone's going to know everything. I don't know what I'm going to do. And actually, we're all just figuring it out and just, like, keep going every day. Ask questions. Ask questions. Um, and And, like... Yeah, then you'll be the person in six months' time using all the acronyms and, like, someone comes in and they're like, oh, my God. But, like, not it's not true that everyone knows everything um, and we're all learning together, like, and, yeah, I guess that was definitely a preconception I had. Don't, don't feel that fear. Um, like, yeah, we're all learning together every single day. Um, EB, do you um, want to go next? Or Rodney? Oh, Rodney, I think it's muted. Okay, so I was just going to add quickly, just off the back of what um, Sam said, which is pretty much, I feel like I'm stealing Sam's idea, but um, it's pretty much the same in that not everyone has everything figured out. Um, so people, as everyone's mentioned, Gwaz, Natasha, and EB and T have mentioned, like you may join a specific role, but that doesn't mean you have to stay in that role forever. Like you don't have to stay in that role for a year. Um, you can always move about. You've always got different roles that exist different things you can move into um and i think that was kind of like a preconception that i had in terms of when once you get into tech you're pretty much stuck in that role for not the rest of your life but for the majority of life um and i think that that's really important to dispel because there are so many things you might be interested in you may be interested in engineering but then as you mentioned you may want to move into product management but then you may also then maybe want to move into design and you can do all of those in the span of like five to ten years and there's nothing wrong with that um i would say there's nothing wrong with that so yeah that's probably my advice not advice yeah got it um, you be and natasha okay uh so 
for me, I thought being a software engineer was like the end all be all of tech. Like that's it. So tech is just geeks and geeks and geeks galore. Um, but I realized, or, or like after joining, um, like the software, um, being a software analyst, that okay, no, there's more to tech than that. And then yeah, like there's more to tech than just being a software developer. So what I would actually advise people is like look for your favorite tech company, look at all their um, like their career page, and just find out more about each job they post on there and see if you can actually do it or see like even if you can just go for it like yeah yeah uh, natasha to close um i would just say that um i wouldn't say that i look like a typical data engineer um stepping into that world um you can tend to feel like maybe i won't fit in or maybe um i haven't got what it takes because i'm not like everyone else um but everyone comes with their own skills and abilities that someone else doesn't have. And um, I know that one of my strengths in the team is the fact that I'm, um, my my, I'm really good with my communication and I make good connections with people um, around the business. Um, people can always come to me for help um, and I'll always be there to help them. And that openness um, really solidifies your place in your team as well as being good at your job got it what a nice way to end and with that that's the end of our just deep stem panel so if you didn't hear enough of me talking you've got even more of it now <laughs> but you know the thing that i really love about the team at just deep is like how many organizations do you know that have part of their core part of their team's work part of the enthusiasm and the energy of their business literally related to encouraging young people to get into stem you know, not only do they act with what they do and they have regular, regular contacts with schools across the country, Bristol, London, whatever, but we've been working with the team on that for, for a number of years now, actually, and they're really amazing. So, again, I think when we think about organisations which we which we really, um, you know, like to talk about and like to think about and point to, um, you can really see it in the practice of what they do. So, did somebody say... I think we all know what the what the thing is. I'm not going to do my whole uh, my whole Snoop Dogg impression, but there we go. So with that, go and order something on Just Eat if you like. Um, <laughs> and and if not, um, please do check out another episode of the Black Tech Best Podcast. <laughs>